Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by James Whitaker, Head of Reward at Simply Health, and having held down positions at The Telegraph, Rugby Football Union and Pandora, James brings a wealth of experience in implementing effective rewards, benefits and well-being strategies. Welcome to the podcast, James. Hello, James. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. What about you? I'm really well, thank you. Doing really well. I'm really excited for today's conversation and what I would love to discover more from, from a selfish angle, but also for for all of our listeners, is the future of well-being and how that's tying into reward and benefit. So a general question to start with, it's a very big question. Where do you see the future of well-being lying and progressing into 2022 and beyond? Okay, nice easy question to warm up with. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, the easy answer is it, it's really on the agenda for everybody, and hopefully a, a meaningful way now. So it, it's front and centre in terms of what HR teams are doing, but what businesses are doing. Full stop. So a lot of discussion about well-being uh, and buy-in from the board, but I, I think almost that has to be a given now. And uh, part of what a company does, as much as um, you know, e- ESG and and things like that, and diversity, uh, you know, thinking about really obvious stuff. Um, and I think companies taking that more seriously. It doesn't necessarily mean investment. It doesn't mean spending a fortune, but it really means thinking about well-being um, in terms of looking after your people. And you know, all of us work our people really hard, and and that's okay. But we want to also, also look after them along the way. And so I think having really meaningful well-being initiatives for people, recognizing that well-being means something really different from person to person. It's not one size fits all. And some people are going to be more interested. They're going to buy in straight away, and some people aren't. And that can be okay. But everything that we can do to help them along the way, um, along you know all of the different aspects of well-being, um, then then hopefully the better. And it, there's a few things that I'd love to unpack within there. So the first one is around some people are heavily bought into well-being and we see them. Um, there are many people that aren't bought into well-being. It's that journey. So how do we get those people engaged? And is it actually a problem if they aren't engaged in well-being as well? I don't think it's a, a problem per se, because, you, you know, you're going to get some people who just aren't as interested. Um, you know, I spent five or six years at, at England Rugby at the RFU and, and people always said to me, oh, it must be easy to do well-being there. Everyone must be really sporty and healthy and 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 that's fine. Um, and yeah, we had a few really fit people and, and people that were really into their sport, but we had plenty of people that weren't. And even the sporty ones had injuries or they were worrying about money issues or mental health issues. And so... Um, I think the, the the engagement you get back from people isn't necessarily 100% of people going to a webinar or going for runs or um, are talking to mental health first aiders. And I think companies thinking about, you know, where do I start on, on a wellbeing journey? Some of it's just start really small and getting those handful handfuls of people along to some of your early initiatives is really good. Don't don't think about huge engagement. Um, and once you have a, a little bit of a movement, you have some of those champions within, within an organization. Um, I think that makes a real difference. If you've got one person banging the drum for well-being, whether it's in a HR team or, or wherever else, that's really, really tough. So you've just got to slowly bring some of those pe- people with you and, and let some of those really good messages and initiatives spread out across the business. And getting those champions we see is, is really important. As you say, there's only so much that one person or a few people can do. Um, you also mentioned senior leadership, and I agree with you that it's a given now for wellbeing initiatives to be successful. You need senior leaders to be on board. 
for those organizations that are still on that journey and there may be senior leaders that aren't quite engaged yet, what would be your recommendation to people in well-being or reward and benefits to get those senior leaders singing from the same hymn sheet and communicating and role modeling the right behaviors? I think there's some really good case studies out there in, in terms of businesses that are doing uh, really good work ar around well-being. And, and like I said, it's not always about spending millions. And you can show senior leaders, actually, there are different ways of doing things. There are things we can be doing that won't cost a fortune, but can really make a difference for our people. Um, and ultimately, you've got to go with um, uh, the most coherent argument for the person you're talking to and that might be money it might be talking about the real return on investment or the value on investment um because you know companies are ultimately about uh the bottom line and profits whether, whether it's shareholder value or, or reinvesting so where you can talk about you know really making a difference to attracting a talent engaging people um effectively sickness absence is some of the very dry stuff but but ultimately yeah. you know where we can make a difference to those things um uh, keep people healthy and happy it sounds really cheesy um but you know that that really makes a difference um and so i think we've moved on from the idea that well-being is you know we've got an eap and a cycle to work scheme because that's what I would have seen probably 10 years ago as being listed as key benefits in some organizations. And there's, there's so much really good work out there now from big businesses, but from really little businesses as well. Amazing. And one of the things that you mentioned previously was around working people hard. And some people see well-being at times as soft and fluffy. Um, I see it as something that's integral to high performance, first and foremost, but also it's just the right thing to do for our people. And just talk a little bit more about that in terms of how the two go hand in hand in relation to well-being and high performance. I know you've spoken to Jack Green, um, frequently our head of performance at Champion Health and Double Olympian. But I'd love to just learn more about the way that um, you would go about talking about that to, to board. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you want people to work hard in whatever role they're in and whatever level they're at. But, you know, like I said, really looking after them along the way. And so sometimes it's just about thinking about what, what's the environment, what's the culture that we have in an organisation. And it's not always what's written down on a, a nice glossy PDF or what's spray painted on walls in, in offices uh, that we don't go to anymore. Um, it's about really thinking about what is our culture, talking to people, asking questions and listening. Um, you know, I, I like the fact that early on when we were all you know talking about zoom fatigue um it became a bit of a trend to actually just start shortening meetings don't yeah. make them an hour make them 45 minutes make them 25 minutes build in some break times um one of the nice things about joining um at simply health six months ago we've got our uh lunch break just mandated in and blocked off and we've got wednesday afternoons um i'd love it to be more than just one afternoon but wednesday afternoons blocked off there's no no meetings yeah and that really makes a difference in terms of just being able to look away from the screen a little bit but also that sort of focused time to be able to do you know for, for my sort of role do that boring spreadsheet work um uh but also just just take a bit of time to to think um so yeah there, there are simple things that we can do but yeah i, I think it's just about recognizing that the, the culture you drive from managers from leaders from you know what you're telling people when they first join uh making well-being an important part of that it's not about 
sending them the, the well-being PDF as, as part of their starter pack and they don't read it because they're too busy, but really engaging leaders, line managers and, and setting an example from the top. Um, there's been so much discussion about uh, countries outlawing, um, contacting people out of hours and 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 closing down uh, email accounts. And I think that's quite extreme. I would hope people can just be sensible. And for some people, that means they're okay working late. It might fit their, their working pattern. But if they're working late and they expect to respond straight away, then that that's a bit more extreme. And so, you know, work, working people hard is great and, and you want high performance. But when that turns into just long hours and, and burnout, obviously that, that's when you've really got, got to pay attention. But you know, hopefully a lot of the, the really good well-being work that goes on is, is about preventing that that yep. burnout and helping people recognize when they may be on the way to that sort of um, that sort of situation. I think one of the things that strikes me here, and obviously people can't see the video um, to, to the podcast as we're speaking, but um, I'm smiling ear to ear because the way that you're describing something that's very complex often in simple terms for people to be able to understand I think is absolutely vital when it comes to well-being so thank you for that first of all um in terms of the world of benefits and reward it's evolved massively across the last five years let alone the last 10 years and well-being seems like an, a, an integral piece would you say that benefits sits within well-being or would you say well-being sits within benefits now um have the two just shifted slightly quite a tricky question for a 12-minute podcast it is, yeah. So I'll I'll just talk some rubbish. I think I I think it's a bit of a Venn diagram, and it flips around, and it turns upside down. And I don't know if the 3D Venn diagram exists, but there's a huge link there. So I know heads of reward that are very responsible for well-being. Some companies have whole well-being teams, which is great. But certainly from a reward point of view, the the benefits we offer within a company. Um, I think need to be aligned to your well-being agenda. So it's not just about saying, oh, here's healthcare. That's great. Here's a cash plan. Fantastic. But, you know, really giving people choice. And, and again, thinking about the things that are important to them. Um, bike schemes don't work for everybody. And a gym discount, you know, only gets you so far. So I think what, what we offer really does make a difference. And then aligning that to the things that you're talking about within the company. So you know, really making sure that from a reward point of view, you can look at your best performers, look at the values and behaviours they're exhibiting and identify them and, 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 and you know, use them as really good examples. One of the things I like about what we've got at Simply Health at the moment is uh, a new set of values. And I won't go into, into all of them, but one of those values is simply altogether healthier. So to me, that's well-being as a core value for us. And that's not just about the, the products we provide for our customers. It's actually about saying we want to look after our people. And that means our leaders, our managers, everybody need, needs to buy into that. It's not about everyone has to have single digit body fat and, and run uh, marathons. Um, it's just about taking care of each other. And it, you know, it sounds like cheesy HR bullshit, but that's really, really important. We want to actually be able to finish at the end of the day, not not be shattered, still have some time to, to just rest and chill out, uh, wake up the next day recharged, uh, having had a great sleep. and start again which sounds a bit depressing but um uh, you know go, go again and, and hopefully enjoy our jobs um so so yeah i think having all together healthier as a as a core value for us and then really 
making sure that we live that value. So again, not just a, a bullet point in a document, but something we really uh, talk about and engage with across the business. Um, and I've seen other companies as well have, have similar things in terms of a, a, their people focus values and, uh, and competencies and, and things like that, which is great. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us today um, on the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I've taken loads of notes um, away from the stuff that you're doing um, and the, the predictions that you've got for well-being in the future. So thank you for joining us, James. Thanks, Harry. Really good. Really good fun. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace well-being, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.